It's that time, the sports talker. Here's TJ Walker. Hello, everybody. Welcome to a Monday edition of the Sports Talker here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. It's rainy. It's cold. It's a far cry from yesterday's weather. And even Saturday was beautiful compared to this, uh, which is unfortunate here in this first day of December. Where has the year gone? But uh, And where has the year gone for Kentucky football? Because it is over. They end the season on a six-game losing streak. Losing to their rival, Louisville Cardinals, Papa John's Cardinals Stadium on Saturday. Uh, This may not come as a surprise to you, but we're going to talk a lot about that game and Kentucky season as a whole. And we've got all week to kind of recap what went right for Kentucky, more specifically what went wrong. uh, Because a six-game losing streak is not a good way, not a a good jump into the offseason, not great for momentum. A bowl would have been big for this team. Getting extra time, extra practices would have been big for some of this younger for some of the younger guys. Uh, but alas, not the case. We're going to talk Neil Brown as he is now officially the head coach of Troy. We hinted at that last weekend, and we hinted that there might have been some friction between Mark Stoops and Neil Brown. But as you have it, he'll he'll take over at Troy. Kentucky will be looking for a new offensive coordinator. Uh, we'll talk about that and. Again, we'll talk about the game. It was a very physical, chippy game. Uh, a lot of, maybe some of the more, and if it had been a blowout or it hadn't been an exciting game, I think the most exciting part would have been the pregame festivities between Kentucky and Louisville and Bobby Petrino. Uh, but as you have it, a very well-played game, a very exciting game. Kentucky-Louisville go back and forth several times. Louisville ultimately coming out on top and and for this rivalry game and there was some good one I guess there's been some good ones but I think this is right up there with 2007 and it probably just depends if you're a UK fan or a Louisville fan which one you rank ahead of the uh, as number one but uh, a great game a well-played game I think you're seeing that talent gap between Louisville and Kentucky shrinking and that's good for Kentucky Uh, but the good news is for Louisville it's not shrinking down to Kentucky's level it's moving up to the level that Louisville was at and has been at and I think you're going to see this rivalry move on to a different level a different stage it was so much more fun Saturday with that game being competitive and before I go into the game details a little bit more and my takes on some of the uh, the pushing and shoving uh, Yates, how are you? We got to we got to check in on on old Yates. I'm doing well, TJ. How about you? Doing great. Did you have a good weekend. Uh, yeah, busy weekend, but good time. Did you go to the game? I did go to the game. Yes. Uh, how was how was the stand? I you you broke up there. How was the what? <clears throat> how was the experience in the stands? Uh, we had a good time. A uh, few Kentucky fans sprinkled in here and there around us, which. Never really cared to see, but it's all right. Everybody was civil. Saw a, a uh, an engagement happen in the section over from us. So, wow! Uh, and did she, and it? she did. It was it was a, a Louisville fan proposing to a UK fan too. By the way, wow! That's I wonder. I guess she probably had a, a just an okay day with Kentucky. All right, man. That's that's cool. Uh, that sounds like a a pretty neat thing to see at Papa John's. 
I, I don't know if I would if I would go that route when when the day comes. I I, I think I'm going to probably stay away from a stadium proposal. You know, not that there's anything wrong with that. Some people would like it, but I'm glad you didn't see any fights because I did hear that there were a few, and that's going to happen at rivalry games. Of course, the some of the Louisville fans that ter- told me that they saw some scuffles hinted that it was the UK fans that were being drunk and stupid, and then uh, the the few UK fans that told me that Louisville fans were just awful to them. Uh, you know, it's a rivalry game. If you're if you're a Kentucky fan, and you're going to that game. You got to expect some unpleasant comments maybe by Louisville fans. It's just like if you're a Louisville fan and you're going to a game at Commonwealth Stadium or Rupp. But unpleasant comments is uh, is much different than physical altercations. And unfortunately, I heard there, there might have been a few, uh, but it, it does happen. Uh, the biggest ones, though, might have been between Kentucky and Louisville's players as they got into the pregame scuffle they <clears throat> were warming up and uh, i guess kentucky uh, didn't like how close louisville's being in their warm-ups and louisville didn't like how close kentucky was being in their warm-ups and they started to exchange words and instead of exchanging words and kind of going on with their warm-ups and, and moving away from each other it escalated and you had some pushing you had some shoving uh, you had some coaches involved you had uh several players involved you might have had uk's jeff Bedette. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm willing to call it a punch, but it was certainly a very aggressive push. <clears throat> uh, so, Yates, what did you make of that? And, and as a, did you know that that was going on before you went into the stadium, or did you have to wait to find out about it? Uh, I had somebody that was with us. Uh, I guess was looking through Twitter on his phone and and found the picture. The first picture that I saw was the picture of. Bobby and the UK assistant coach who were in each other's faces. And then I think I saw a picture a little after that of the te- the teams, uh, I guess in the, in the process of having a discussion. Um, I mean, I don't know. I it was, you know, there, no punches were thrown. Nobody got hurt. I mean, I think stuff like that's kind of okay. It's It's a rivalry game. You want the teams to be, fired up to play each other that's uh, i'm all for that and let's let's clarify a few things that did and and did not happen one unless there's video that i haven't seen kentucky did not stomp on on the bird i know that that is near and dear to louisville fans hearts uh but there was no stomping now they were the, the scuffle happened near the bird and uh i i know that louisville fans have a history with opposing teams stomping on the bird, Miami did it. I think Cincinnati did it. And I believe Louisville's undefeated in those games, although I'm not a not a hundred percent sure about that. Uh, there wasn't. It wasn't like UK was being disrespectful, and then Louisville came over to to call them out on their disrespect. Uh, the Jeff Bedette punch, push, shove at James Quick's face. Uh, there was an altercation between the two, and watching the videos that I've seen, and this was at the game. I had to cover the game. I'm going to talk more about that. Uh, But uh, I got to see somebody that worked for ESPN and had a little bit of the the pre-footage of what happened. And it basically was just warm-ups between the two where they would go to their side that that met with one another and say a few words, and eventually it escalated. 
Now, I do have a bit of a problem. I'm okay with talking smack. Like you said, yeah, it's, it's fun for the rivalry. And a little in your face and maybe a little push here and there isn't the worst thing in the world. But I do have a problem with Jeff Bidette doing it uh, and being the one that with a very aggressive push on James Quick because Jeff Bidette isn't playing. He was in street clothes. Let the players do it. Don't. It, there's no point in you being the one to physically get engaged because you're not playing in the game. Now you can again, if you're a red shirt or if you're uh, a walk-on and not playing, you know, feel free to feel free to participate in the smack talk. But I just felt it was silly for him to be the one. If it was going to be somebody, and it probably shouldn't be anybody, where you take it to that level. Uh, I just felt it was silly for him it to be him. Now, on the flip side, not, let's not act like James Quick was completely innocent in this whole thing, and let's not act like Kentucky was the bad guys in this altercation. Uh, Louisville fan, Louisville players came over to Kentucky, and they certainly weren't leaving uh, at any at any point. They were maybe they were egging Kentucky on. It it. Nobody is at fault here. Uh, Bidette shouldn't have done what he did, but it's not like James Quick was trying to walk away and Bidette pushed him. Uh, and let's talk a little bit about the Petrino thing. And I'm going to talk a lot more about Bobby Petrino during today's show, but um, the Bobby Petrino, the picture that was taken by the, the person of the Kentucky Colonel, great picture where you do have um, Bobby Petrino's hands on UK's recording or, or the director of football recruiting operations. That bit, and it's a great picture. Here's what happens in that in that sequence. You had <clears throat> coaches from all over trying to end this scuffle, and it was happening on multiple parts of the field. And, and there was a part where this is where James Quick and Jeff Bidette were, where there were no coaches. So Bobby Petrino was in the right to go over there and 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 break it up. And he, you know, he didn't, I, I don't know if he put his hands on any Kentucky players or not, but he was trying to separate them, get them on their side, and he wanted to get his players back. So I really didn't have a, a problem with what he was doing. Now, UK's football recording, uh, recruiting coordinator, all he saw was Louisville's Bobby Petrino in the faces of UK's players. Now, he didn't know, he, he had his back turned, if you watch the whole tape, he had his back turned, he didn't know that Bobby Petrino was trying to break it up. He just turned around. It was a lot of yelling, a lot of a very heated moment. So he he probably thinks that Bobby Petrino is trying to put make, make this thing a bigger deal than it is, uh, add fuel to the fire, and uh, that that's what sets him off to try to get Bobby Petrino away from the action. So it ends up being, and then of course Bobby Petrino just sees a UK coach putting his hands on him and 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 trying to get him out of the way. When all he's trying to do is calm the situation down. So it was a complete misunderstanding, which made for this picture and it made for the uh, it made for this scene. So at the end of the day, I feel that all that was kind of blown out of proportion because it, it was a misunderstanding. I don't think Jeff Bidette, Again, my only my only complaint would be Jeff Bidette, If any player is going to push or violently shove another player it probably shouldn't be one that's not going to play but like you said Yates I, I was I liked it I like seeing the the teams get amped up and pumped up and I do think that added a little bit to the game I this is not that this rivalry game has lacked from lacked emotion and disdain for one another but I think after this you saw it in the game pride set in it was competitive 
Louisville had some chances to pull away early on. I don't think Kentucky would have necessarily pulled away, but they had a chances to to build on their lead. And I think pride sets in a little bit when you have stuff like this happen before the game. And as you had it, you had a great competitive game, and, and it's going to be like this uh, for years to come from a hostility standpoint. UK fans and the players aren't going to forget what happened at Papa John's before the game next year. And it's going to go back and forth and it, and it's, it's fun. It's, it's exciting to see. Uh, and we're going to talk more about the game itself. So I'm covering the game. First time I've covered a game at Papa John's and it was a, uh, the press box is great. Media relations is nice. The food was great. I've, I, no complaints on that. I do have a complaint, though, that Louisville sat me in the auxiliary press box, which is outside. And it was cold, but I'm not complaining so much about that. There's only about 10 other people out there. I don't know how I couldn't have slid in uh, somewhere inside. And eventually I did sit inside for a little bit. Uh, somebody with ESPN was not sitting in their press seat, and then it was next to the Courier-Journal gang. So I sat next to them for a, for a little bit. But I ultimately decided with how chippy this game was and how competitive this game was, it might be a game where you want to you want to watch it on the field. And I sacrificed not being able to be on Twitter and follow stats and see the statistics. And you know, if a player was hurt, not necessarily maybe know the severity of the injury. So I sacrificed all that to get down on the field. So it was about midway through the third, uh, early third, where I had uh, went down onto the field and, and watch the remainder of the game. And I, I couldn't be more excited and happy in that decision because it's a different, you get a different perspective being that close and, and being able to hear some of the interactions and, and hear uh, some of the players talk to one another and, and coaches talk to their players. And it, it was, it was really cool to see. And uh, Stanley Williams touchdown happened just feet in front of me and a great run by Stanley Williams. And we'll, we'll talk again more about the X's and O's of the game. Uh, Holloman's interception. I, 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 at that point went to the other side of the field that happened right in front of me. Uh, so it, it's cool to be able to see how plays develop down that close. You, you get a different idea of how physical and fast and all that uh, the game is than when you're up in the press box so high up there. But I'm going to say this, and this isn't sour grapes, I promise you that, but I don't know how things are going to work out with Mark Stoops at Kentucky. I don't know if he's going to be the coach that UK fans hope he is. I think he will be. That's just an opinion. After two years, you are seeing improvements, but again, it was a six-game losing streak. There was plenty of games this year that Kentucky could have won, and they came up short. Uh, specifically the Louisville game and the Florida game. Two games come to mind. They had Mississippi State in a good spot, not able to make enough plays late in that game. So there's probably still some question marks about Mark Soups as a head coach, but things do seem like they're moving in the right direction. But from an X and O standpoint, put that to the side, Kentucky found a great, great person and a great leader of a program in Mark Soups. And I don't think this is going to – that doesn't come as a surprise to people. It's not like Mark Soups has a reputation of being a clown or, or as Yates would like to say, the word punk. Uh, he, I think most people understand that he's a good guy. He's a family guy, and he's a, a, great, represent, a great person to have on your side if you're UK, representing the university. So after the game, I wanted to – I mean, could you imagine how bad that hurt? 
if you're Mark Stoops and you lose in that fashion to a rival, it's six straight. You're not going to a bowl game for seniors that won 14 games over four years. Could you imagine how much that would hurt for you if you're the head coach? So I wanted to kind of see how he interacted. And Louisville tried to run up the score there late. Mark Stoops called out Vanderbilt when they tried to call out James Franklin when they tried to do that last year. And so I was curious if he was going to be mad, upset, that you had the pregame festivities, you had the picture of Bobby Petrino with his hands on a UK assistant. So I, as the media flooded onto the field to go by their handshake and their interaction, I wanted to see what Stoops would do. <clears throat> Stoops went around, he shook hands, he, t- you know, he did the basics, uh, hellos, the quick pats on the shoulder pads. But then after a few, you know, it, it seemed much longer than it actually was. But after about 20 seconds, however long it may have been, he started to look around and realized he couldn't find Bobby Vitrino. So he started to, and he had the whole escort, police escort, and plenty of media members following him around. He started kind of looking around for him, wondering where he went. And you could tell he was making a conscious decision to be like, all right, I need to find their head coach, shake their hands so I can move on. And sure enough, they did find each other. It wasn't your instant, quick shake and move on like you see so many college basketball coaches give one another. They did exchange a few words, uh, and then they went on their way. But instantly after that, this is where uh, I think Kentucky has a winner, is Bobby Vitrino ran, uh, didn't literally run, but instantly went and celebrated with the Governor's Cup. And that's understandable. You win a rivalry game. You win an exciting game. You want to celebrate. I don't have so much have a problem with that. Although, I don't think Bobby Petrino is a great person. Uh, but Mark Soups doesn't instantly run off to the locker room. He talks to UK President Eli Capaluto. He talked to UK Athletic Director Mitch Barnhart. Uh, he talked and hugged with several UK players, including some of the seniors. This is all on the field at Papa John's Cardinal Stadium when they're presenting the Governor's Cup trophy. He went up to several, several different Louisville players that were at some point recruited by Kentucky and talked to them and just several Louisville players that played well against Kentucky. Talked to them. It went with Vince Morrow and, and talked to several of them. And I asked him after the game, I said, was some of that just because you didn't really want to face the music in the locker room that, hey, the season was finally over? And he just said, no, I've got a good relationship with a lot of those guys. I wanted to say hi and congratulate him. Now, I think a little bit was that. I think he realized the second that he stepped off that field, he wouldn't be stepping on the field again for a game atmosphere until next August, next September. But that's I, I think that's rare. I think that's rare to see a coach genuinely care about people, people that he uh, that play for him, people that he recruited that didn't even go to him. I, I think Kentucky has a winner in Mark Stoops. And, and, and even if it doesn't work out from an X and O standpoint, it's a great person to have representing your program. And it, it was cool to see that unfold. Again, none of that was a surprise. But to see it live in person, given the situation, given the circumstances, w- was neat. And I'm not saying that's what Bobby Petrino should have done. They won, and, and he was excited, and he wanted to celebrate. He's He's got seniors on his team, and 
it it hasn't been the best, you know, f- three to four years for Bobby Petrino either, and I'm sure that one felt good to win that. So I don't necessarily have a problem because of that. It was kind of fun watching Bobby Petrino on the sidelines and some interactions that he had with his players. But, you, you know, every coach in what the play I'm talking about, I can't repeat what Bobby Petrino said, but it was after Kyle Bolin fumbled and UK returned it for a touchdown. A really funny interaction between Bobby Petrino and Bolin. Uh, but, you know, all coaches do that. But Kentucky loses, but you, you, again, you got to feel good about the direction the program's moving. They're going to be without Neil Brown. But like I said last week, if you were going to that, – that's a replaceable coach. We're going to talk more about the game, what went right for Louisville, what went wrong for Kentucky, and why Louisville was able to eventually pull out a victory, a very a 4.4440 victory against the Cats. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back. Listening to the Sports Talker with TJ Walker on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz, on again an ugly, ugly day. Joined doing the radio show by Puppy Abe again. Big day for Abe. This was surgery day. As he got neutered, he's got a big funny cone around his head, as, as if you have to add any insult to injury there. Uh, he's, but he's a little, he's a little groggy. I think would be the right word. Not really. I don't think he really knows what's going on. Uh, that would just that that would be the worst. But anyways, uh, we I spent the first segment talking about my experience on the sideline during UK UVL's game and some of the some of the non X and O's things that I saw from the game. So we're gonna we're gonna talk a little bit about. What went right for Kentucky, or what went wrong for Kentucky, and, and plenty of things did go right, uh, and, and what went wrong for Louisville, and what went right for Louisville. Uh, Yates, right off the bat, my question to you is, does Louisville win that game with Reggie Bonifant at quarterback? It certainly didn't look like it was going to happen. But yes or no? I mean, I guess I'll say no because of how shaky he looked in the first part, but... I mean, I you know, I I don't yeah I guess no is the simple answer probably. Here's I I think Louisville probably wins with either one in my opinion. Reggie Bonifant was off to a horrible start, uh, and Kyle Bolin was off to a great start. You know, but I, I don't know if you necessarily have that fumble scoop and score for a touchdown with Reggie Bonifant. I don't know if you have the pick six with Reggie Bonifant, which was just a terrible throw, a terrible decision. And, you know, that's 14 UK points right there. And I I don't know if you have that with Bonifant. Now, again, do you have that opening touchdown drive, Devontae Parker's 45-yard pass uh, from Kyle Bolin? Do you have that with Reggie Bonifant? Because Reggie Bonifant looked horrible that drive. 
maybe maybe not. But I think eventually you probably have Reggie Bonifon settle in. Well, we may rush it a little bit more, but they weren't really getting anything on the ground, which credit to Kentucky's defense. It's been very tough on UK's defense. I, I kind of have had the UK defensive beat on Cats Illustrated. I always talk to DJ Elliott after the game, write a defensive story. And DJ Elliott after the game said, you're the only one that always comes to me. And, and there was only probably about two of us interviewing him. Uh, because Neil Brown was out at the same time, and you had probably about 40 or 45 media members interviewing him, asking him about the Troy job. Uh, but I've been very tough on UK's defense all year, and they stepped up. They still gave up 45 points. You still let one player beat you, in my opinion, and that being Devontae Parker, having half of his receptions go for touchdowns. And, and I asked DJ Elliott about that, because Yates, I, I do think Louisville wins regardless if they have Kyle Bull and Reggie Bonifon. But I don't think that game is – I think Kentucky wins going away if that game is the first game of the year and Devontae Parker is not playing in it because he, he was unguardable. But here's the thing. It, uh, I would say at least half of his three catches were, were not tough catches to make. On one – uh, on his first touchdown, the UK de- defender fell down, and, and the, the defender was already beat when he fell down. On uh, another one of his touchdowns, I, I guess yeah, this would be the second one. That was just a great play goal, call by Bobby Petrino and, and caught UK's defense off guard. I don't remember who the player was, but Louisville had one of the running backs go out in motion to the to Louisville's side of the field to Louisville's bench. And Kentucky was in a zone coverage on that play. And there was only one guy out there on Parker. And when the guy came out of motion, nobody switched over. So this defensive back for Kentucky had two players in his zone. And and this was a mistake on his part. Uh, Both were running go routes uh, with Parker streaming down more towards the middle of the field and the running back heading more towards the, the corner of the end zone. The, the the UK defender went with the running back, uh, which I you know was a poor decision. So Parker was left wide open, nobody on him um, on on that reception. And then there was another one where Parker I think was going across the middle of the field, and there was just nobody home, no linebacker, nobody, uh, and caught it wide open. So on half of his receptions, UK it wasn't that Parker made an unbelievable play, and for his last touchdown that was a great play he went up and got it UK's DB for some reason tried to go for the interception late and and couldn't even make a play on Parker after he caught it and you got to give credit to Parker for after the catch because he he was a tough guy to bring down Uh, another one of his catches was was on a screen which is really tough to defend but again once he got once he caught the screen he was tough to bring down so uh, Parker had a great game but UK didn't make it as tough on, on him as they probably should have and I asked DJ Elliott after the game what was the plan there? And DJ Elliott didn't say this, but you kind of got the vibe that he was happy with only giving up six receptions to him. Now, obviously, three being touchdowns is a bit much, and, and this is what he did say. He said, we double-teamed him, and we had two guys on him, and we shadowed him, and you know we didn't want to leave him in uh, one-on-one a lot. He said, but... We didn't do it every time. We didn't double-team him every time. We didn't leave a guy on him every single time. 
two guys on him every single time. Kind of hinting that when they didn't, Louisville took advantage, which credit to Bobby Petrino, credit to Bolin for noticing, and credit for Parker for being able to complete the uh, the play in one-on-one coverage. And DJ Elliott, UK's defense coordinator, would later go on to say, if we wanted to blitz, if we wanted to send more guys at the quarterback, we couldn't afford we couldn't afford two guys on Parker or else another wide receiver would be completely wide open. And he said, while we gave up some big plays to Parker, look at our blitzing. It, it led to a, a pick six, and it led to a fumble, a scoop and score touchdown, and it led to three UK sacks and plenty of hurries. So I understood where DJ Elliott was coming from. I, I still think even if you blitz, maybe you do leave another guy wide open. I don't know. Maybe not wide open. Maybe you go to a zone coverage and you have the safety shadow over to Parker. You just can't make it that easy for him. And UK's defensive backs need to put pride aside a little bit and give him maybe more of a cushion. Let him make the catch, but don't necessarily let him always make the big play. And he made plenty of them against Kentucky. It, it reminded me of the Auburn-Alabama game where Auburn – uh, where Alabama won easily, and Amari Cooper had a huge day, even a bigger day than Devontae Parker, which is tough to believe from a wide re- receiver standpoint. But they asked Auburn, I don't know if it was Gus Malzahn or the defensive coordinator who was later fired, fired yesterday. I don't know if they asked him or if it was Gus Malzahn saying what was the plan on Amari Cooper, and whoever answered it said the plan was to treat them treat him like any other player which is so stupid, uh, just being so prideful and stubborn. A guy like Amari Cooper, a guy like a Devontae Parker, they are not just any other player. And to go about that strategy of treating them like such and having faith in your DBs to be as good a player is just stupid. And I, I don't think Kentucky had that strategy. I think they wanted to give Devontae Parker as much respect as he could, as they as he deserves. And that's another thing about Stoops that I forgot to mention in the first segment is just spent a ton of time talking about Parker and how good he was and giving Louisville all the credit in the world. But I, I think the time, I think Louisville just recognized when Kentucky, when he was in single coverage and took advantage. And credit to Bolin, credit to Parker, and credit to Petrino for, for being able to do that. And, and that was a good game from Bolin to be able to come in only playing six or seven snaps on the season throw for 380 yards. He played he played well. He did make some some stupid mistakes and, and and late in that game with Kentucky's offense not doing a lot Mark Soup's strategy was let's let's make this quarterback make more mistakes. We're going to get them. Either they're going to get a big play on us or we're going to get a big play on them because we're not worried about them running on us. Let's make this fresh let's make not a freshman, but let's make Kyle Bolin make the mistakes. <clears throat> and he made some, and then he made some big plays, and it was, uh, to an extent, a, a wash in that in that aspect. But it, it just came down to Kentucky's offense not being able to make make the plays that it needed to make. And Stanley Boom Williams, his touchdown run was number eight on ESPN's top plays of the weekend. He was great. Rushed for 126 yards, two touchdowns. But when Kentucky needed to throw, and on that last drive they did, I've never seen a, a two-minute drill with more run plays in it. Patrick Tolles didn't step up to the occasion, and really, I'm not blaming him too much because, again, if you watch the routes, if you watch the entire plays, if you watch 
Patrick Tolles go through his progressions. There's just not a lot there, and it's all 15 yards and in, and he took a few shots deep. One was converted with DeMarco Robinson. That was a great throw, a great catch right on the money, but there just wasn't enough deep routes to keep Louisville's defense honest. You've got to extend the playing field a little bit. You can't bunch it up. That just makes it easy, very, very easy, especially for a smart defense like Louisville's. So if you have just three or four different receivers doing out routes and and, and stops, they're not going to be there. And if they're not there, then either Patrick Tolles is going to have to force it, or he's going to have to run, or he's going to have to take a sack. And and he did all he did all three of those. Two interceptions. One was just one. The one interception was just a. Te- Actually, both interceptions were a terrible throw. The last one of the game to Gerard Holloman, that was a bad throw, but really there was nothing there. He had to get rid of it. I understand that one. The one before that, uh, just a, a bad throw. The wide receiver was never open. It was double coverage, and it, was, it just wasn't on the money. So he wasn't sharp, but I am going to blame a little bit of that on the play calling. I'm going to blame a little bit of that. On Neil Brown. And to Neil Brown's credit, you gotta remember what he what what this Kentucky team is. It's a it's a team full of young playmakers at the wide receiver position or JUCO guys. And Javis Blue being that JUCO guy. It's an offensive line that primarily had offers from Mac schools. There's not a lot of weapons, and the weapons that are good are young, and they're very similar players, and and Kentucky's missing quite a few wide receivers. So before UK fans are are very happy and thrilled that Neil Brown left because of the offense, he couldn't really run the offense he wanted to run. Now, again, I'm not saying, like I've said a hundred times, it's not, I don't think losing Neil Brown is a huge loss to Kentucky. He was a good recruiter, but most of his assistants were the ones that were really going in homes and and being persuasive. His offense, if it works, ideally, it's a fun sell. You get players like Stanley Williams. You get some of the quick guys that can make something out of nothing. But it's not a huge loss. But I'm not going to put all the blame on him. But I do think in that game, you had to take a, a few more shots deep to open up what they wanted to do. And Tolles has to be a little, and here's what you do. If I'm Neil Brown and if I'm Patrick Tolles, I, I, you run a few routes deep, maybe to some of your bigger guys like Blake Bone. And you put it in a spot where either Blake Bone can maybe make an amazing catch or the ball is going to go out of bounds. And even just doing that on 30, 40 yard routes, that's going to push back Louisville's defense a little bit. And Kentucky just didn't do nearly enough of those. So that's why in that last two-minute drill, Louisville knew Kentucky wasn't going to take shots deep. They knew they were going to keep everything short, and it was well covered, and Patrick Tolles didn't have a lot of options, and that's why you saw Kentucky run the ball a little bit. And then when Kentucky did have to go deep on that fourth and ten, nobody was there. It was well covered. Kentucky was going into the wind, and Patrick Tolles just tried to force something 
Probably didn't have enough loft on it for it to be a true jump ball. It went directly to Gerard Holloman. So the talent gap is still in favor of Louisville, but it, it's it's the gap is shrinking. And that's good for Kentucky. You're going to start seeing Kentucky be a, the more talented team in some of their games next year. And I don't know if that necessarily would be Louisville. I, I want to lean towards yes, maybe it will be. But certainly against teams like Vanderbilt, it will be. Even against Missouri, the, the gap is going to be shrinked if you go about recruiting rankings. And that's not what it's all about. But, you know, Alabama's number one in recruiting almost every year. They're not hurting. So we'll see. We're going to head to our last commercial break. We're going to come back. Uh, I've got to touch on Kentucky's basketball game against Providence a little bit. And it's a big week of college basketball. So we're going to talk a little college basketball, maybe a little more college football. So stick around here on 1450 The Sports Buzz. We will be right back. To the Sports Talker with T.J. Walker. We're back here, 1450 The Sports Buzz. Might as well just get this out of the way. PT Picks of the Week didn't go very well. Two and three last week uh, with the wins being Kentucky and Virginia Tech. Although, I'm... You make me pick those games on Wednesday. That's going to be my excuse that I'm going to stick with. So 38-25 on the year. I'll, I'll, I'll pick five conference championship college football games this weekend. or no, Maybe not all conference championships because the Big 12 does have a few games. And then we'll wrap up the year as college football. Maybe I'll make one here and there. And then I guess with, uh, with moving forward, what we'll do is we'll wipe the, the slate clean. And we'll do college basketball. And I'll just, on Friday, I'll pick five games for the weekend. And that's what that's what we'll have to do, and we'll just do it with college basketball. Uh, maybe I'll throw in an NFL game there, and, then and there. But I do like to keep track. I do like to keep records of how I do in each sport. So we'll see. So apologies for uh, for the bad week, but it's tough to pick games on Wednesday that that happen later in the week. It's although two were the next day and just were misses. Uh, Texas A and M got hosed against LSU feel bad about that that one should have went the other way uh ucla gets blown out by stanford how do you get blown out when you're playing for a pack a chance to go to the pac-12 championship game maryland gets beat by rutgers i mean just just craziness uh, virginia tech did beat virginia though but anyways we'll move uh, we'll move on tough loss for kentucky to lose to to their rival Louisville's dominated that series of late, but UK fans, it's it's getting closer. It's going to be more competitive, uh, and you should be very thrilled to have the the game at Commonwealth Stadium next year. Long way to go before that game. With the game being at the end of the year, it's almost tough to talk about. Now, if the game was at the beginning of the year, you know you could preview what you know, uh, but we won't know much. We we won't know who Kentucky's quarterback will be. We won't know who Louisville's quarterback will be. Yates, if you had to guess, who will, who will start next season as Louisville's quarterback? I have zero idea. Not a clue. It, 
it, it really it, it's it's crazy. It's crazy to have no idea there. And, and really, I guess you'd probably put Patrick Tolles as the as the favorite for Kentucky. But at the end of the year, he he didn't do enough to solidify that to solidify that job. And by all accounts, Reese Phillips was relatively close. And at one point in that game, Reese Phillips starts to warm up for Kentucky. Now, Stoops says he's happy he didn't put it put him in uh, because Tolls started to click a little bit more. But you had a you had a chance in that rivalry game, last game of the year for Kentucky, uh, with a bowl on the line. They were going to go to their backup, Reese Phillips. So that shows that Kentucky does have some confidence. So you could you could see possibly Reese Phillips being the picture. Obviously, Drew Barker was the guy for that uh, recruiting class, 2014 recruiting class. You know he's going to develop. He's going to get better. He's going to push for that starting tr- spot. Uh, good news for Kentucky is uh, that he was able to get that full year red shirt. I know at the beginning of the year we talked about worst case scenarios where maybe he has to get into the game. Uh, that didn't happen this year, so so he'll be a red shirt freshman. So we'll see. We'll see what happens with Kentucky in that position. We'll see what happens with Louisville in that position. Um, it'll be interesting. It, it'll be a fun offseason for Kentucky uh, and Louisville, but unfortunately it's just such a long time before the 2015 season starts, although Louisville fans can look forward to a bowl game, uh, which the projections I've seen have Louisville versus Auburn in the Music City Bowl, which count me in for that. That would be a fun game. I do feel that there are some SEC teams that Louisville could beat. I don't think that Auburn is one of them, but it'd be exciting nonetheless. And then also to have that game in Nashville, that's not terribly far from Auburn fans. That's obviously uh, just a, a few-hour drive for Louisville fans. That would be a, a great matchup. And, and, you know, I remember when Louisville fans used to make fun of Kentucky fans for being excited about the Music City Bowl. It's not a, it's a, it's not a very... You know, it's not the most prestigious bowl. But now, with the playoffs aside, with having the playoffs, who really cares about what bowl game you're playing in? As long as you're in a fun city or a warm city, and it's a good matchup or an exciting game, that's all that matters. If Louisville can play an SEC team, whether it's Georgia or Florida or Auburn, Louisville recruits against some of those guys. Louisville recruits the South more than Kentucky does. So who cares if you're playing in the Music City Bowl or the Orange Bowl? If you're playing against a team that you recruit in, it's going to be a good environment, and you can get that win. Who cares? So that would be awesome if that were to happen from a a college football standpoint. We'll have to see. Kentucky played some basketball, speaking of college football, uh, Steve Spurrier said that he'll be back for next season. There were some whispers that that he may retire, but he'll be back. I'm all for that. That'll be an an interesting job opening whenever it does open uh, of who South Carolina will will get because I wonder on a national level how it's perceived. I think it's a great job. Uh, I think it's... Recruiting-wise, South Carolina has a good talent pool, and obviously Georgia and Florida have great high school football. But it's also in the SEC, which which makes it a little bit tough. I'm not a big fan of Nebraska firing Bull Pelini. 
you win nine games for six years and you get canned, what coach would want to step into that where nine wins isn't enough? Let's see who else. Will Muschamp obviously fired. Haven't heard anything on Brady Hoke yet at Michigan. I expect that he'll be fired, but haven't heard anything. Uh, you have UAB's football program possibly being shut down. Uh, it's going to be a wacky college football off season uh, with all the with the coaching searches that will likely take place. So, something to keep an eye on there. Kentucky basketball played Providence yesterday, and uh, a, a really strange game. I was in Rupp Arena covering it for Cats Illustrated, and it was a game that Providence, I felt, had a great game plan and, and really executed well. That being said, they still lost by 20 points. Uh this this is a very very good Kentucky team. Not that you need me to say this, but that Providence team is probably going to to make the NCAA tournament. My guess, they're well coached. Was undefeated heading into the Kentucky game, six and one with a blowout win against Florida State. Had also beaten Notre Dame. They did everything they could. It's just they they just couldn't find ways to score there late, and that's why. I tweeted out Kentucky was up five and six at some point in the second half, but the, the five and six point lead for Kentucky felt like a twenty point lead because Providence just was having so such trouble finding different ways to score. So I, I genuinely do believe that Kentucky is the best defensive team in the country, and I, I don't think Louisville's far behind. Louisville checks in at number five in the AP poll. Kentucky. Wisconsin, Arizona, all right there. Duke, number four. Louisville, five. And then Texas, number six. So you're going to have number one versus number six in Rupp Arena. Texas is the real deal. That's going to be a tough game for Kentucky. I think they win because uh, they're the better team and they're at home. But that'll be a fun fun game, fun atmosphere. It'll be fun for UK fans to get a chance to see Miles Turner, one of the better freshmen in the country. Uh, but Kentucky's defense clicking on all cylinders. You wonder, uh, and, I, and I hate saying this, but it, it really would take an injury or maybe a player getting in trouble or, or something, something off the court or an injury on the court to kind of break this thing up. Because right now it's moving in the right direction and it's moving – full speed ahead. Schedule's going to get a lot tougher. You got Texas, North Carolina, UCLA, Louisville all this month. But I still think they're going to be undefeated heading into that Louisville game. I think Louisville will be undefeated heading into that game. And you could see that be a top three, maybe, maybe a one versus two matchup. Uh, So although football season's over for Kentucky fans, a lot to look forward to basketball season. So that's it. We're out of time. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk more. Uh, we'll, we'll, We'll still talk more football it's 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 over but there's still plenty to talk about it and obviously now it's officially 100 basketball season for kentucky so join us tomorrow 1450 the sports buzz we'll see you then
They say welcome to the 502. Take a Georgia boy and show him how Kentucky do. Oprah Priest Classics, paint Kentucky blue. They say don't forget 270, be hitting two. So I'll call it blue, grass, so I'll call it purple. I'ma call it home.